Hello and welcome to another episode of the Golden Hour Podcast brought to you by the Polar Pro Studio. I'm your host, Dave Mays, and today we have two amazing Instagram influencers and podcasters, Kelsey J and Danny the Explorer. They just started a new podcast where they talk about building a business around your content creation called Clout Check Podcast. They share hilarious stories. They just have a really fun time and they talk about building a business, how to do it, how to grow 100,000 followers, how to use your gear in the most efficient way, how to work with brands, but it's super like laid back, chill and amazing. I highly recommend it. I'll link it in the show notes below. And Kelsey actually was a guest previously on the Golden Hour Podcast. This is not her first time. We interviewed her about a year ago on the show. And if you want to learn more about her, you should go check it out. Both Kelsey and Danny have hundreds of thousands of followers on social media accounts. And they make a full-time living doing photography for themselves on their Instagram accounts, as well as working with incredible brands all over the world. Obviously, a lot has changed in a year since I interviewed Kelsey originally. The pandemic has happened and she's not able to travel as much. That's partly why Kelsey and Danny started the podcast. And in this show, we actually go into how you can actually make money as a freelancer, as an influencer, how to build a business around yourself as a brand. This is really important stuff. And I think everybody who is in the freelance space should listen to this. Even if you don't want to become a quote influencer, this show has really valuable information. Also, I think it's a lot of fun having two guests instead of just one. So hopefully you guys enjoy the banter and the fun times here today with Kelsey and Danny. But before we do, I need to remind you guys to go check out polarpro.com and see some of the incredible products that we have. We have filters for drones. We have filters for cameras. We have filters for GoPros. We have a case with like a grip on it for your new iPhone. Incredible stuff at polarpro.com for any type of content creator out there. We've got tools and accessories for you. All right, without any further ado, let's listen to my conversation with Kelsey and Danny. All right, so here we are today with my friend Kelsey J, who we interviewed like a while ago. I don't remember, like six months ago. I think a year ago, ago almost. Gosh, time yeah, flies. time is flying. And then here we are meeting for the first time Danny the Explorer. Danny, thank you so much for being on the podcast, Danielle. Uh, yes, thank you for having me. So exciting. <laughs> yeah, you guys reached out and shared this amazing podcast that you guys are doing called Clout Check Podcast, which I highly encourage everybody to go check out. It is not only educational and informative, but it is extremely entertaining and hilarious. So if you are at all in the creative space and you want to learn more about business, you want to learn more about what it's like to be a full-time creator, definitely go check out the Clout Check Podcast uh, everywhere you can find podcasts. But here we are today on the Golden Hour Podcast. Thank you guys for joining me. Thanks for having us. Excited to be back. Yeah, thanks for uh, for gloating us up there. So <laughs> <laughs> so the uh, kind of the topic for today is the business side of the influencer world or content creator world. I know a lot of influencers hate the word influencer, but let's just face it. That's what it's called nowadays. So um, kind of like selfies. Do you guys remember when like the word selfie came out and like, oh, so cringy. And now like it's, you know, selfie queen. It's just part of our vernacular. Yeah, it's it's, it's totally it normal. But um, so we'll, we'll get into all that. But just a brief intro, Danny, I don't know you really at all. I've looked at your Instagram account. Tell me about yourself. Where are you from? And what do you do, Danny? And if you 
want to learn more about Kelsey, go check out our podcast. I'll link it in the show notes. All right. Well, hello, everyone. I am Danny, otherwise known as Danny the Explorer. I like to say that Dora stole her name from me. Um, so <laughs> I am based <laughs> I in that. Arizona. I was actually previously based in a camper van pre-pandemic days. So that was a whole that's a whole other podcast episode, right? But so I am a photographer and blogger, just like Kelsey. So I work with a lot of different brands from brands in food, brands in the outdoor space, travel space primarily, and create content for them. So I suppose I am a full-time influencer. And yeah, I'm also the co-host of Clout Check. And that's that's basically me in some. <laughs> and Kelsey, how did you meet Danny? How did you guys get to know each other? We met a long time ago, like 2017 or 2016. 2017. Yeah, I think. I think 2017. We mm-hmm. randomly got lunch in Arizona. We were just like Instagram friends online. <laughs> and then we got lunch when I was in Arizona. And then we ended up going to Europe together for three weeks, like very soon after that. So then after that, we were just fast friends in this influencer world. <laughs> yeah. That's such it. a normal uh, way of like, that's such a normal series of events right you meet go to europe (laughs) go to europe together yeah pretty much super (laughs) lax especially these days like that sounds so luxurious now to like go to a different country it's so crazy how things are right now but it is what it is um is that one of the reasons why you guys decided to start this podcast and like how long have you guys been doing the show now and kind of what spurred that on for you guys it's fresh. We're babies yeah. to the podcast world. It actually pretty much started in quarantine. So Kelsey and I caught up on a FaceTime call and we actually we we were trying to figure out the other day what exactly sparked the podcast thing because we couldn't remember. I <laughs> think we said we it like, as a joke. We yeah. were like on a call and we're like, oh, this is hilarious. Let's start a podcast. And we like, yeah. we're like wait, should we actually do this one day? Yeah. You know, and we think we're the funniest people we know, of course. So we were like, oh, yeah, everyone will love great. us. Let's do this. And um, we had no idea how to record. We, it was much more complicated than we thought. Major learning curve. made it work. Yeah, yeah exactly. And then that yeah. was it. Cloud Check was born. That's amazing. I Yeah, it's. I was just telling you guys before we started, like when the pandemic hit for us on Golden Hour, it opened up the door to to have more people on uh, because we were doing it in person and then started doing it over Zoom. And like there is something really great about this, especially when everything was in lockdown mode. Like it was actually a great way to hang out with people uh, and have an excuse for it. It's like the modern day equivalent of let's grab coffee sometime, you know, Um so I think in LA, especially I've, I've heard it kind of like put around like everybody, you know, in LA has a podcast. So it's just like, it's literally replaced. Let's do lunch to, Hey, you should be on my podcast. You know, it's so funny, but, um, so yeah, what's your, uh, let's talk about like business and stuff. Both of you guys are very successful influencers and things have changed a lot over the last six months and who knows what the next year is going to look like it does seem like things are starting to kind of get back to normal for the most part but um tell me about your businesses as photographers individually and then um if you guys want to like cover specific things that you know you feel like people that are listening to the show might want to hear so um yeah i don't know whoever wants to go first with like your business strategy and some of the things that you would uh you're currently like dealing with in the 
influencer world? Yeah, um, I guess I can go ahead and go for put it, myself Daddy. in the you hot this seat. <laughs> um, so as far as business goes, I mean, I, I already kind of touched on this, but I'm a full-time photographer and blogger if I don't want to call myself an influencer, I suppose. But along with that, influencers do a lot more than I think people really realize. So for example, clients will also have me capture photos for them that I will never post on my feed. They're just for their marketing purposes. There's affiliate links. There's blog ads that you can do, what have you. And I mean, you were talking a little bit about the pandemic and stuff. Um, what Kelsey and I were primarily travel influencers before everything kind of happened. And when the world completely stopped traveling, that's when we both kind of realized, oh, we need to pivot a little bit further because it's not enough to just be able to take some photos for clients and stuff when all you ever do is post you in like these beautiful locations, you know? Um, so now business has kind of been focused on just rebranding a little bit, trying to get a little bit more into like the lifestyle space, because I think that no matter what direction the pandemic goes, if it goes away tomorrow, I believe that people have had time to kind of slow down their people are moving, they're in their houses more, right? So they're thinking more about things that affect their everyday life. And I think from like a product perspective, if you're an influencer, and you're going to be advertising for brands, I think you're going to see a lot more of that, of people wanting to know like more about the clothes that you wear or more about the things that you cook at home or just kind of like your everyday items that are useful to your life rather than purely just the next vacation that you're taking. Because I think people are a little bit more reserved these days, you know. Um, so, yeah, that's been interesting from a business perspective, because as if everything wasn't complicated enough trying to figure out all these different little income streams, now it's like, all right, well, how can I um, quite literally rebrand myself? Here I am calling myself an explorer, and I'm like, I'm exploring my living room. So <laughs> here we go, you know? Um, so yeah, that just, but that's kind of like a synopsis of just, I guess, what influencers really do about business. And I think what a lot of travel influencers are also figuring out right now. Yeah, we interviewed uh, Aaron Sullivan, Aaron Outdoors, recently. Um, I interviewed her like over a year ago, and then she, I don't know if you've seen the stuff she's doing now where she's doing like miniatures yeah, and stuff. Miniatures. Mm -hmm. And I wanted, to, so well. I wanted to talk yeah. to her about it because that's just, again, like a great example of what you're talking about, about like pivoting. You have to, like as a creative, it's kind of like, it's when you're put in this situation, like what's going on in the pandemic, you're still an artist, you're still a creative, you still want to like make stuff. And there's still clients out there. And I mean, here we are in the holiday season. Um, brands are wanting to spend money on marketing and stuff, even though things are going on. And uh, you just have to get creative and learn to pivot. What are some of the things, Kelsey, that, um, that you've been doing differently that uh, you've pivoted to right now? Well, I think for me, the number one thing was... My account and my personal brand could no longer be about the places I was going because I wasn't going anywhere. Um, but the challenge for me with that was like, well, I still I moved to Washington to be able to hike and backpack and camp and still do all these outdoor adventure things. 
Um, so I was like, how can I pivot my brand to not be about travel, but still kind of be about travel, which I think has been like a consistent challenge for me this year, which in a good way, in a creative way, it's pushed me outside of my comfort zone a lot, which I think was one of the best parts of 2020 was not being able to just go stand in front of a mountain or a waterfall. Like what am I actually going to do that's creative again and not just fitting the same kind of stereotype I had been going with for so long with my brand. Um, so for me, I think I've been pivoting my brand just to be about, me in general, which I know sounds kind of self-centered. It's when we were talking to another lifestyle influencer on our show where it's weird to be like, your brand is you. Like, why would anyone care? But it's helpful, I think, because people do want to see what you're doing. Um, And then it's more about you and what you're doing wherever you are at, whatever you're shooting, not about this crazy location on the other side of the world. Um, So I've been achieving this. I've been trying to go about it in different ways. I think for me, one of the most exciting parts was um, I picked up a vintage Land Cruiser this year that I've been building out and I've been car camping out of. Um, And that has just like another part of my brand I've been doing to bridge the gap of like, I'm home, I'm in the States, but I can still adventure. And I have this vehicle I'm doing it in and adding more auto stuff to my brand, which is just like a whole other industry that I can now go after for client work too. Um, and just being more forward facing on camera, like doing more, that's just me doing things and more conceptual portrait shoots since I have a modeling background too. And just not being so worried about being this really serious travel photographer and just shooting what (laughs) I want here and what I love and hoping people are going to care. I don't know. It's been fun so far. There's something you just touched on and I want to highlight it for our audience. There's a lot of people that listen to this that are freelancers that are, you know, videographers, photographers, um, and they're not, you know, influencers, but you mentioned you are the brand. And I think there's some value to that, even for people who would consider themselves just full-time, you know, photographer, freelancers, or uh, videographers who aren't necessarily putting themselves on camera uh, for work. What do you have to say about that? As a freelance shooter, how can you be the brand of, of your service as a freelancer? What are some ideas or things that you would share to somebody who doesn't want to necessarily be, you know, the Instagram influencer, but still grow a brand around themselves? Well, I think regardless of whether you want to do the whole influencer, like this is about you or not, when you're running your own company as a freelancer, you are still a company. So that means that even if you're not like the on-screen talent, you are still the creative, you are still HR, you are still finance, you are still doing all of these things. So you really need to, even if it's just you, you still need to think about yourself as a company, which means that you need to have a brand. So I come from a PR agency background, so all I did was branding. So I think this is actually almost the easiest part of everything to me is thinking about this. But you need to think about like... How would you describe your company in a sentence? What kind of words would you use and visuals would you use? Like, does your logo speak to what you're doing? And you need to think about your brain in this massive sense and get that as your foundation, and then you can build on top of it. But if you're not doing that, you're not going to know how to like present yourself to clients, how to pitch yourself to clients. So you need to think of yourself as a full company and business, or else you're not going to really know how to move forward. Yeah, to kind of piggyback off of that, I think that there's also something to be said about the entrepreneurial spirit. So just because you don't necessarily want to be like the front facing person of your brand, right? You could, I think that people who are running these successful photography businesses where maybe primarily their clients are getting some more of those marketing images and they're not necessarily like, look at this shampoo that I use or whatever. They can kind of take advantage of that a little bit by just showing the grind almost like, 
look at me. This is how I'm spending my Friday, like doing all my QuickBooks budgeting and things. Or like, this is how I kind of like run my business. I would say maybe um, stories are a really great way to do that. Or even like Kelsey and I have said before. (laughs) Yeah, just anything. Have you seen the new Twitter stories? knockoff fleets that's what i'm talking about no i like i don't pinterest now has their own stories everybody all the social media apps are basically becoming the same thing this is i'm not yeah oh I, my gosh yeah. it's so that's much so weird with. to me like because twitter you go on there to see like a quick little i don't know i love it i i hate instagram so i'm happy that it's there <laughs> I, okay i guess this makes all like the twitter fanatics really happy because now they're like yes we don't have to be on instagram <laughs> yeah. anymore although I, I still like shoot the story on instagram save it to my role and then upload it you know on twitter just like the other Reduce, way around with reuse, TikTok, recycle but, yeah. Anyway, yeah exactly anyway sorry i'm a twitter boy so Um. (laughs) No, but you know what? You actually brought up another good point, too, is that I think that people also because it's so much work just running your own business and then also having to like be present on social media. But you can make it so easy now that all of these apps basically have the same features. (laughs) You could just create one piece of content and just share it across. Or um, I think that. It's important to even clients, um, if they're looking at your social media profiles, they want to know who they're hiring. So they're not going to just give money to a camera and be like, hey, go at it. They want to know and develop a relationship. That's also part of good customer service. So I think no matter who you are, no matter what your brand is, it's good to show up somehow. You could introduce yourself every once in a while in your feed be like hi this is me this is how i got started whatever but i would say like lean into the entrepreneur kind of side of things and show people like what you're doing and how you're growing and your struggles and stuff so that they have someone to relate to and then if they're buying prints they're gonna be like oh i want to buy from that guy because he's working his butt off over there you know he's in canada freezing for the winter i feel like i need to go ahead and like support him a little bit so yeah i think leaning into that is super important so if you were somebody starting from scratch or let's just say for your for yourselves if you were to start from scratch right now at at square one in 2020 uh what would you do differently that you've learned along the way or Maybe the question shouldn't go to 2020 because that's so silly. Like right now, it's crazy. Let's go back to when you got started, like on Instagram and stuff. Like, is there anything that you would change or anything that you guys have learned that you would just kind of want to impart to other people who are maybe in those more beginning uh, stages? I, I think first off, I, you know, so I had actually talked about how I created this online course for building a brand like we talked about last time on the show. Yep. Um, And I teach in that course, which I think I might actually change, is I say that your brand needs to be extremely niche. Mm -hmm. That you need to decide one very tiny thing that you're going to own. And you are going to own that. And you're going to, like, beat it into the ground until, like, that is your thing. And people follow you for that thing. And this 2020 has been a big learning curve about, like, wait, but I can't do that right now. And then I think we've had a lot of... I don't know, a lot of time to reflect and be like, well, do I want to be spending 80% of my year on the road in five years? And I'm like, you know, late, older on, um, later on. So I think I'm thinking about if I'd started over again, I'd want my brand to actually be like broader so that I can do more things in it. So that as I grow as a creative or as I grow in my business, that so there's more room to be able to do that and to not actually niche down as much. So I think that's definitely one of the biggest lessons I've learned and to not be afraid to be 
your personal brand and be on camera and do that. Because I think there is this negative connotation to that in this industry. Like we're saying, no one wants to be called an influencer. You want to be creative. You want to be a photographer. And I had to fight that for a long time. For so long, I wouldn't be on camera because I was like, no, I need to be taken seriously as a creative. And therefore, I cannot be on camera. And then I've watched this massive shift if people realize like, oh, if you want your audience to care about you, if you want to get these big client deals that want people to be brand spokespeople, I have to be on camera. So just to not be so afraid to do that, if that's what you want to do, if it's not, totally cool. But don't feel like you're not doing it just because you need to be taken seriously in the industry. I mean, you you basically stole the words right from me. <laughs> um, no, that's something that I, I do tell my students. I'm I say don't like <laughs> I I like you know I think one of the. I wouldn't call it a mistake because it got me to where I was today. But when I first started on social media and doing all this photo stuff, I leaned so heavily into just being Miss Hiker Girl 2000. Like if uh, if I couldn't take a picture with a mountain behind me or of a mountain or something, rather, I wasn't going to post it anywhere. And I just think that as humans, it doesn't make sense. Like we're not niche as people. There's so many different complex things to us. And I think it's a lot it, I, I find it a lot more difficult to kind of pivot and add more to your brand when you start so heavily in one area. And that's something that I'm finding out about myself now is people want to know where the next adventure is. But I'm over here like, hey, check out how I'm furnishing my apartment. You know, and they're like, <laughs> An why adventure. do I care? And it's kind of it's like a it's just a, a learning curve that you have to go through. But yeah. if you kind of just start out with maybe three three things you don't have to lean super duper heavy into into one i think but if you just pick out maybe like three different topics that you say i think i could kind of cover these th- somehow in my profile i think that'll go a really really long way for you um and honestly i think i would have monetized sooner i think that people are always waiting for this magic number to start kind of earning money on social media and i kind of feel like had i just maybe practice and got gotten baby clients a little bit sooner instead of waiting till I hit this like 10,000 follower mark. I could have just understood my pricing a little bit better, understood what brands are looking for, really pitched better pitches to the brands that I really wanted to work with or even like creating digital products sooner because there's no reason why you just shouldn't be selling something of your own. Um, So that's probably something that I would change for sure. Totally. It's interesting because I'm, you know, full-time YouTuber and I've, most of my friends are YouTubers and on YouTube, the usually like people split off channels. So it's like, if I want to be a travel vlogger, I have, you know, Dave Mays vlogs. And then if I want to do gear reviews, I have Dave Mays gear reviews. And by, by sectioning off YouTube channels, like a, almost like a TV show would be uh, in standard television, like that's how you're able to kind of grow separate niches. But from what I've talked to a a lot of Instagram, you know, professional Instagram people, uh, it's harder to like just split things off and like make a separate IG account. Like if you guys wanted to like do something different, you know, my brain would be like, Oh, just make another Instagram account. But then you're like starting from nothing essentially. And you have to just regrow it again. And, um, I mean, is there any, like, do you guys know anybody that does that, that has like multiple accounts that are like different niches? Because essentially the idea behind that for YouTube is like, if you post a video and somebody likes it and they subscribe, the reason they subscribe is because they liked that video. So if you give them something else that's totally random and different, they're going to not watch it. And then that tells the algorithm, like, 
you know, these people don't watch this, so we're not going to even share this video anymore. So by keeping your specific niche on that one channel or an Instagram's account uh, as like just one IG account that's only travel and then one that's like personal, like what do you guys think about that? Like, do you guys have personal accounts in addition to your kind of like outwardly facing account? I've seen photographers do that where like one is just like iPhone pictures, you know, BTS, and then the other one is like all the sexy stuff, you know? Yeah, I think I have like four accounts and I honestly yeah. regret making them. It's so it's just so much work. Yeah. It seems like the easy answer at first, but then you start getting into this like for me, um I made one for food and then I started going, well, um okay, what if I just want to post about like my breakfast that I ate today? Do I share that on this channel or do I go like and on that other Instagram? And then I found myself just posting it to my regular stories anyways, because I was like, well, I don't think that's it's that big of a deal. And you just I think that that's kind of an example of you're putting a lot of work on your plate and you're getting super niche. And I and I've heard the same thing, too, that niches are a really great way to excel and grow your account because the algorithm catches on to what they are and they push you in a certain direction. But if you're just talking about running a, a business overall and you're putting yourself out there as sort of this personality, I think that it's just it's a lot harder and you kind of find um, yourself like in this pigeonhole where you might want to work with one company for something because you appreciate the brand or whatever, but you can only work with this one because it's what fits into you, into your niche and vice versa and even down to the content creating. Or if a pandemic happens, it's really difficult for you to pivot because you put all your pressure into this one niche. So who knows? Maybe the solution is when you're trying to just grow you kind of like pick those that broad bubble of niches but you stick with one just a little bit more than the others and you like let that sort of fuel your growth and then you start diversifying like as you're getting bigger and bigger um but i i still don't think that niching down super hard and making all these different accounts that now you have to run and think about is the way to go i mean i think it'd be cool if it worked that way if if like you had channels under one main instagram handle so that all still up leveled and people follow you and they can decide what channel that would be amazing but yeah realistically i even started a personal account just to post like iphone photos like funny things that happen there's not a single post on there because I already <laughs> spend so much time building my my big like business account that I'm not going to even spend the time on these other accounts. Like I feel like if you're like a Unilad and you have a whole content team to do all these different things, sure. But it's just me. Like I need to focus on what's actually going to like make me money and like I can build an audience there. But it would be ideal if we could have streams like that. Yeah, I mean, the, really cool. the success of uh, IG stories is great. I mean, that once that was stolen from... Uh, you know, from Snapchat and then just became accepted as like this thing. Um, that's, you know, it's, it's great to have that because that's where you can throw your quick iPhone videos and stuff. And that's where you can really connect. And I think the thing that we're really saying is the niching down on yourself uh, is really the, the answer, not necessarily a genre per se. Um, you can definitely stay in a certain lane because those are obviously things you're interested in. Um, and you're not going to like all of a sudden go you know have like a musical career although you could i guess and just like start like trying to do that but um you know within uh normal boundaries like having variety on your account uh but making yourself the niche that's really the the secret sauce because then that's what people just gravitate to and uh no matter what you do you know they'll be there uh 
and be excited. It's all about like adding value too. Like what are some of the things that you guys try to do to add value to your audience? Cause people, you know, when you're getting started, like why would I follow some random person? Like what's the value that they're giving? Is it entertainment? Is it education? What are some of the things that you guys do um, to, to add value to your audience? I think it's changed a lot because I think before it was very simple when you're one thing in your travel, it's you are showing people inspiration to where they want to go on their next trip and also how to do it. So when I had a travel blog, it was more about the actual details of like, if you go to this place, this is where you can go. This is how to get there. These are things to watch out for. And then the Instagram was just that, that inspiration point. Um, and because just being in the photography community, it also became more people wanted to know about editing photos and how to shoot and all these things. Like we just did a camera gear episode of Clout Check because people still want to know all the gear we shoot with. Yeah. And that's great. <laughs> I but I that. think now. Oh, thank you. Yes, it's it's out there. Uh, and so I think now it's also like, OK, well, what else about that can I add that fits into my personal brand? So I'm starting to do more like BTS of creative photo shoots you can do closer to home doing more like conceptual shoots. Me and Danny, this is the funniest thing we probably did this year in Utah. We went to this corn maze and we did these most extra photo shoots in a corn maze. And we're both posting BTS of that. I've also started adding um, more how-to contents around the Land Cruiser and doing like car camping build outs. Cause I'm getting so many questions about how you can car camp and live out of your car on the road now, now that people are doing domestic trips. So I think just adding these little points that still fit this overarching brand about adventure, whether that's abroad or here, is what I'm trying to add in the value now, not just like one specific thing about travel. Yeah, I, we've been thinking a lot about what questions would somebody have if they were interested in what we do and how can we answer them in a fun way. So like on my page, I've been having so much fun doing like posing tips because I would get questions about like, how do you figure out how to stand? I always just like stick my arms up in the air and I don't know what I'm doing. So it's just like taking the questions that maybe people people ask you about on your page and thinking about like, um, how can I make this into value add content? And I still think that inspiration is a value add too. people still to an extent they want to know about uh, they want to know about like the BTS stuff. That's totally inspiration based value added content. Uh, they still want to know about maybe domestic locations that they could travel to and things. But it's just about getting a little bit more creative than posting maybe like a, a static image and just being like look look at this beautiful picture i took um so even another great way to add value if you're not a video person is, is in your captions you could totally just make them a lot more long form um even in your stories you could post multiple slides about things you could totally start a blog if you wanted to but there's so many ways to add value i think that just every if you're every single day nowadays at least because people want to follow those who they feel like they're kind of getting something out of them i think if you're just posting this picture and being like oh i woke up yesterday and the fog along this ridge line was so beautiful i just wanted to share i mean i like that had its time and place and i and it still does but as far as like a this is the type of content i'm posting every single day um I think that the trend now kind of with TikTok and them having learn on TikTok is um, it's changing. People are looking for a little bit more like they're looking for that deeper value add. Like, how yeah. can you not just show me the pictures, but show me some BTS, show me the you use, <laughs> et cetera. What are your audiences? Are they people interested in travel? Is it a lot of photographers? I'm just curious, like, what are your demographics and kind of your audience 
for each of you? I think it's constantly changing is the interesting part about doing this now. I think I still have a lot of aspiring photographers and those kind of people. A lot of still travel people, adventure people, mostly adventure because everything I do is outdoors. So, of course, people want to be interested in that. But what's fun about Clout Check and getting to create this other brand that we've done together is we've kind of found this whole group of mostly females that really are just so interested in the influencer marketing. And that's completely different. I mean, obviously, they were like a sub part of our original audiences, but that's completely different than just like this travel thing. And those people have been so excited about the content we're creating. I think it's been fun to have this kind of like side audience that are really into this whole other niche of it. So it's kind of changing a lot in like two different audiences now, which is fun. Yeah, um, I've also I've started to find that... um... A lot of my audience is just constantly changing as well. So I still have a lot of those female focus. Uh, obviously, they're interested in the influencer marketing space, um, but lots of like photographers. I've also I've been noticing that a lot more people are starting to get interested in in things like um recipes or food or kind of where I get my clothes or Kelsey always makes fun of me for this but ever since <laughs> quarantine started I talk about skincare and I I think I do it maybe too much I'm like how many face washes does one girl need but whatever let me have my whatever that's my thing um so just kind of interested in that but it just kind of goes to show you that when you kind of start posting certain things those people will find you and it'll take a while because things mm. might like be like this weird shift between what you used to post and what you're now posting but it changes as much as you change what are some of the uh when it comes to like making money what are some of the ways that you guys pitch brands and and get those brand deals with companies that you want to work with i think the first step to pitching brands is research so when you but when you reach out to them, it cannot be like, hi, I'm an influencer. Like, give me your money. Like, you literally need to be like, this is what I do, but I know what you do. I know we're a good fit, and this is why we're a good fit, and this is a project we can work on together. So you need to be able to answer all those questions before you ever reach out to a brand, or else there's they get so many pitches a day. I mean, me and Danny both have clients that we've talked to that are like, I get 500 emails a day yeah. from a day. content creators now. A day. Yeah. Literally a day for some of these So are people. they so even like looking you... at those emails or are they just kind of no. look? They're just seeking people themselves at this point, I would assume. Uh, yeah, I think it's a, I think that's why some brands are also turning to these um, platforms that kind of manage those relationships for them. But I, I've always felt that the closer you can get to a brand, once you're in with them, the easiest way to build your business is by work to work with the same brands you already know and be really, really strong with those clients versus always trying to find these these new clients. Because once you're already in with them, there's a much higher chance they're going to answer your email. Once you've gotten on the phone with them, they're probably going to respond to you again. Once you've worked with them before, then you're pretty much in as long as they liked your content. So you can keep working with them. So I think it's easier to do it that way, honestly, than always cold pitching brands. Yeah, people are always mm -hmm. underestimating the long-term brand yeah. relationship. It goes, some of my best clients have been brands I've been working for for like almost a year now because they just keep coming back. Mm -hmm. And if they're getting 500 emails a day, they're not going to like, it's almost like at a company when you have to retrain and rehire someone, you know, it's just a lot of work on the back end. So some of them want to have longer term relationships with influencers um and even going before the research stuff like kelsey and i one of the things we like to talk about on clout check is reverse engineer think of like maybe the brand that you want to work for creep on them see what they care about and what kind of pictures are they posting because if it's like a 
a shoe company and they are showing like how people mix and match their shoes and, and such with different fashions. And you are someone posting about like your lipsticks or food recipes or things. They're probably not going to want to work with you because they just haven't they haven't seen that you could do the type of content that they would use for their page. Mm-hmm. So you have to just kind of like start posting about the things. Um, that you want to get paid to create. <laughs> and then, like, you know what? I really love affiliate links, too. I mean, like, it's they're kind of tough to figure out as well, but I think that's another way to um, work with brands without actually, like, sliding into their DMs. Because essentially, like, if you want to work with, um, like, XYZ car company or something, rather, and you're emailing them and emailing them, they're not getting back to you. You could always just see if they have some sort of affiliate program, and you could almost be a little bit of a spokesperson for them that way, and then sell some affiliate links. And then maybe one day, if they get enough sales and people are like, oh, I found out about your car accessories from Kelsey, then they'll be like, oh, we should get this Kelsey girl to like, come on, you know, and work with us. So that's another good thing to do too. Yeah. I, um, I was talking to, um, a guy named Leron on this show and he brought up the idea of like, just kind of tweeting or tagging people on Instagram posts about like, I'm using today, I'm using, you know, Lexar cards and they're super awesome and they I've never had a failure whatever and like after you do that like over and over and over don't even reach out to them just tag them like they're they're they can see stuff they're keeping track of stuff and you know when they're ready to find somebody to work with they might go through their tags and see like who's tagging us who's talking about us and then boom there's some like super bomb amazing photos and then there you go like a good friend of mine drew photo um he uh, he's on Instagram at True Photo. He does product shots, and they're like spec. Like he just does them. Um, you know, he'll like take his Nike shoe and like take a really sick photo. And you know, Nike didn't pay him to do it, but then that led to Adidas like hiring him because they saw it, and like now he's working with Adidas. So you know, just like f- like doing fake product shoots also can kind of cheat your way in. Um, I have filmmaker friends who like they'll spend like their own money and make like a a spec commercial for Jeep and they'll just like make their own Jeep commercial and just put it out there and put on a reel and then you know these these brands like they need to see the work like you can't just like send them a message and be like I promise I'm really good you know it's really all about like I didn't I don't did you guys go to college We did Okay well, yeah but like has a brand ever asked for like to see your degree or like ask absolutely not no not really that's kind of the point that i'm getting to is like brands and companies like i've never had ever anybody ask me you know did you go to school for this it's always like hey i saw your reel or i saw the 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 project you did for so and so um that's how you get work and so school is still a great tool and it's a great thing uh fifty thousand dollars a year for harvard on zoom now probably isn't a good idea anymore but (laughs) Um, because <laughs> they're still charging the same amount, That's uh, and it's all over yeah. Zoom. Yeah. I saw a great tweet. It was a, a meme. It was like, "Man, these streaming services have gotten so expensive." And Netflix was like nine dollars, Apple, you know, four dollars, and then Harvard, fifty thousand. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of going on a little tangent here. But do you guys agree with what I'm saying? <laughs> Yeah, yes. And I think you brought up a good point about investing in yourself before you even make money from brands. 
you have to you have to invest in yourself in the gear and in the training whether that's harvard or just shooting with (laughs) friends that know what they're doing whatever it is so that you're going to be able to create that product you're going to have to do it and also for the clients you want like i don't think i even realized how much i was doing this last year and i kind of had a big aha moment um two of the biggest jobs i got were for tourism boards in the caribbean was the first one uh and one was in the middle east And on both of those jobs, I asked the client, I was like, why did you pick me for this job? Because I think it's really important to know why you're getting hired so you can keep doing that if it's a job you want to do. And for the Caribbean, they're like, we saw your tropical photos in the Philippines and in Indonesia, and we saw that you could do that work. So I had no idea. I just wanted to go to the Philippines and Indonesia. I had no idea that was going to make me make any money from it. Uh, So but then I realized that I shot that work, therefore I was going to get jobs from that work. And same with the Middle East job. They had seen I had just gone to Jordan and I had shot these crazy desert landscapes and oranges and they knew the kind of work I was going to produce. But once again, with Jordan, like I didn't know paying for that, that trip was going to make me any money off of it. So if you actually think about that ahead of time, not like me and reverse engineer it, shoot the work you want you to get eventually. And you're going to have to pay with your own money to be able to do that. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. You got to spend money to make money. And that's just how it goes. You can make money doing other things that you don't post about, you know, yeah. you can still shoot weddings. You can still shoot portrait, you know, uh, high school mm-hmm. graduation shots. Like you can do whatever you need to do. Um, heck, I mean, you know, if Uber was a thing when I was getting started, I would totally do that. Cause like you could literally just kind of like do uber eats whenever you want like you know it's it's so cool the opportunities to make money uh as a freelancer these days danny do you have a story like that like how did you have you had any situations where like people found you from off chance shoots that you've done and, and stuff like that yeah um actually i had this recently happen with a clothing brand that i worked with i see like i was just taking these pictures obviously of me wearing a jacket and stuff and i was in the talks with this client and i got the creative brief and like kelsey's photos were in there like my photos are in there and then i was like oh you see they saw that i could like shoot this stuff and that's why they reached out to me so it's just it's such a good point you create the work that you want to get paid for and sometimes you don't even know that it's going to turn into paid work too so it's just always funny um yeah it's just like maybe if you're not getting your dream clients right away there's a lot of patience that goes into it but to to your point dave too talking about these people making jeep commercials and all this stuff and they're putting the work in and they're creating the portfolio that eventually they're like this is gonna bring the dollars in i know it and that takes a while but it's totally worth the investment in yourself to do that absolutely i can't agree more i was working a job like a nine-to-five job uh about five years ago and i really hated it (laughs) and so i just like, I, I think it was like six months while I was there. I was just like twiddling my thumbs, like trying to figure out what I want to do. And I had an idea of what I wanted to do, but I just, I wouldn't, I just wouldn't do it. And then it, I just kind of was like, screw it. I'm just going to do it. And so I just started making YouTube videos. Um, and I just had a ton of fun and I ended up quitting my job and then got an offer to host a YouTube channel. And, you know, the only reason I got the job to host the YouTube channel after I quit was because I was doing it and, and it happened. Like you can sit around and like have these ideas and these like, oh, I want to be doing Jeep commercials and like, I want to be doing this and that. I want to go to the Philippines and shoot just like Kelsey. But if you don't like, just, if you don't do it, nobody's going to ever see it. Nobody's going to ever like think you can do it. Nobody's going to just hire you because like, you know, these, uh, these pictures on this account are great. 
they're not related to anything that we do, but I bet they could also do that. You know, a lot of these brands, their, their producers and the people involved in the hiring process, like, you know, no offense to those people, but a lot of them are not creatives. They need to see, they need to see it. They need to be able to trust you. It's not even the fact that they're not creatives. It's also just, they need to be able to trust that the person they're about to spend a bunch of money on can actually execute. Um, so yeah, if you're listening to this podcast and you're like, ah, man, I have this one idea. I've been sitting on it for months. Like go do it, just make it happen. And even if like, it's like, oh, well I don't have the money to do it. Well, like how can you lower that production value a little bit? How can you get creative within that? Like Aaron, uh, who we just talked about, uh, who can't travel anymore and is using broccoli and uh, tomatoes and little miniature figurines to basically recreate the same shots she was doing, except now with miniatures, like, you know, how can you do that? You know? So I don't know. I think there might be some people listening who can resonate to what you guys are saying there. So. Man, can you imagine what uh, what Instagram would look like if all of us travel influencers just all busted out our broccoli and <laughs> shooting those miniature pictures? Yeah. Like we all have like a little miniature that's supposed to represent yes. us. Like Kelsey has a little <laughs> red head girl. <laughs> yeah, I, I have like a little with like a purple backpack, like Dora. And this is like, oh, guys, I like I went to Tinfoil Lake today. And it was great. <laughs> Everybody was doing that. It'd be so funny. Does um so... I'm so curious because like my head is so in YouTube and YouTube is such like I will say anybody who's listening is a video person, especially video person first, like and you're trying to think about where you want to spend your time like YouTube is going nowhere and there's so much money involved in the monetization on YouTube in terms of AdSense, the the way that they build in the commercials, the way that um, brands you know, see it as essentially television replacement. There's so many opportunities to make money on YouTube. Um, I'm just fascinated by you guys on Instagram because like Instagram itself really doesn't have this like AdSense, you know, monetization system, at least not anywhere near what YouTube scale is. How do you make money on Instagram? Well, <laughs> on CloudCheck, we literally call it multiple cloud streams of income. I don't know why, <laughs> how we came up with yes. that. We're too ridiculous. But you kind of have to create those channels yourself. Because to your point, it's great that YouTube builds those in. Yeah. If I if I had started with video, I would have I absolutely would have done YouTube. I completely yes. recommend it. <laughs> I think we just both came from a photography standpoint. Yeah, of um, course. So Instagram made more sense. But uh, to Danny's point, affiliate links are so helpful. And although those were originally more for bloggers... Instagrammers have found a really great way to incorporate that into their content. I see a lot of lifestyle girls do it really well. Flex the swipe like, oh, up. you like this mirror? Yeah, like a swipe up link. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. They're yeah like, yeah. oh, you like this mirror in my home? Here, swipe up and you can buy it. And then you get I've a very small percentage. So many times. Oh, yeah. By dude, I'm like, I want that mirror. <laughs> yeah. So, like, affiliate links are a way to do it. Uh, both me and Danny have online courses. You can sell presets. So, like, any sort of digital good. So, you don't mm-hmm. even need to invest in the manufacturer of making a physical good. You can sell your own products, uh, anything like that, just do. Or you can start another channel. Like, I think it's really important to have a long-form channel. Right now, for this, Mm -hmm. we're doing a podcast. You can also do a blog. You could do a YouTube. Anything to just diversify where you're getting your money. Because think about 2020, when lockdown hit, brands are freezing their marketing budgets. You're not making money from that. So how can you do that in a different way on your own 
not relying on brands. And there are ways to do it, I think, with Instagram. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Merch life. Yeah, those are too. basically all the ways. Oh, merch. merch That's a good one, too. <laughs> I know. Yeah. We'll have our own merch someday. We'll <laughs> we get dreams. there. Clout check merch dreams. 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 Yes. <laughs> no, I, uh, the, the last guest we had on uh, for last week, his name is Pat Flynn. You guys may or may not have heard of him, but he's kind of like uh, Gary Vee, like kind of a really incredible, like, genius businessman he like he's like started six companies he's an advisor to like three he like you know has a youtube channel he's written like three books you know he's 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 well off let's just say busy guy okay Um, yeah but one of the things he just wrote a book called super fans and the, the the basic concept is you don't have to have like a million followers to be a full time creator um if you are able to garner like a thousand uh fans that just buy by prints by uh you know your courses or essentially if they're willing to give you a hundred dollars a year somehow um that's a six-figure business right there so he is really all about like just honing in on those thousand fans really getting into like the nerdy things about yourself so that people can latch on to like your personalities and again coming back to making yourself the brand um what are your thoughts on that because a lot of the Instagram world, I think, I don't know, at least my opinion is, for, especially for some people, is like, I want to get a, a million followers. I want to just build my following. But Pat's, you know, approach from what I had this conversation with last week, he was like, all you really need is like a thousand super fans. What are your thoughts on that? And have you have you seen that yourself? Do you see the same commenters? Do you see people sending you messages when you do your stories that, you know, and you've kind of almost developed an online relationship with these people in a friendly way? I mean, again, your podcast, I would imagine, is probably the a really great place to get that because it is so conversational. But um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's what I was saying earlier when it was when we were talking about things we wish we would have done when we first started. I wish I would have started that kind of monetizing sooner. And really what I mean by that is, is making those thousand true fan connections and getting them to trust me um, and getting them to basically want to be like Danny's full-time cheerleaders and wanting to support every business venture that I go on because it's so, it's just what's sexy, right? Is to just focus on the numbers. And like, I don't, I don't want to say that like, like as, as if influencers don't appreciate the people that follow them, but there's just always, like there's this, this chase for more for more for more and then when you are on a platform like Instagram and they start adding all of these new features it's really easy to just get blindsided and go oh, okay I need to just like I need to do the IGTV or now I need to start a TikTok or now I need to like, do my blog and you focus so yeah and then you start just kind of like I mean, yes, multiple clout streams, great. Do them. You need those, but don't lose hindsight on what's important. At the end of the day, like your followers are also going to be the people that are most likely your customers. So you need to like build their trust somehow. And uh, yes, Kelsey and I will notice that the, I guess, our like, thousand true fans now are starting to come from the podcast because they'll send us dms because we talk about like oh funny cringy dms that we get sent to us so they'll send those to us or they'll be like oh i listened to this episode i was in my car and it like made me laugh and blah 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 so um yeah building those connections is so important that's all you need yeah and And I think, too, that is the challenge with Instagram, is you have such a short touch point with people. Like, people look at your photo for a second. 
And that's not really going to convert to sales when you think about like a bottom line marketing standpoint. So if you're going to go on Instagram, you need to find a way to really engage with your true, your true super fans that are going to want to buy uh, whatever product, whether it's one you're selling or a brand's product. And that's why like engagement is so important and always talking to those people and giving them what they want and making them feel like they really know you and that you really do have that relationship because you do. And it's so fun to be able to do that. So, and that has nothing to do with follower count. Like if you have a million followers, but none of them know who you are, care about what car you're driving, what granola bar you're eating on a hike. If they don't care about that, then like your followers don't really, you can't, like you're not going to get anything out of that conversion wise to make money for your brand or for you. So it's really, really important to find a way to make that connection, even on Instagram, if you're going to do Instagram. Did you guys see that documentary on Netflix, um, The Social Dilemma? We did a whole episode about it on the podcast. Can yes. We, <laughs> can we talk about it? Um, I mean, again, uh, it w- uh, for me as a YouTuber, like I can see um, the last five videos that people have watched on average on each video. Uh, I can see when they drop off. I can see when, uh, like where they came from. Uh, I know their age demographic. I know their gender. Uh, these are all things that help me as a creator to figure out how to make better videos that, you know, engage the audience and stuff, but it's also kind of invasive. (laughs) So, um, and people sign up to YouTube or in your case, Instagram, and you know, they hit agree to that terms of service, but, um, they're really handing over their privacy and their, uh, you know, their life in some respects. Uh, and Instagram in particular really with the ads, with the way that the algorithm works. And now like, oh my gosh, it's such a meme about the whole, like the shopping tab and the reels and like, (laughs) it's just become a cringe fest in some aspects. Um, what are your overall thoughts on like the social dilemma? And if you haven't seen the documentary, go check it out. Uh, It's an amazing documentary. Um, I know for me as a content creator, it made me kind of reevaluate what I'm doing. Obviously we're not making content for children. So Adults are choosing to look at our videos or our photos, um, you know, consenting adults. Um, (laughs) So uh, I think it is different when you're talking about, you know, teenagers. They talk about teenage girls. Suicide is through the roof. Depression is through the roof, um, you know, in teenage kids these days because of social media. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Oh my God, there's so many. There's so many. I think one of the biggest ones that for me personally as a content creator and influencer was I felt like I need to get a little more real about what my life is really like. Because especially on Instagram, we paint this picture of like, I go to like seven amazing places a week and I've been to a a million countries and you are never going to be able to do this. And my life is so, so cool. And that doesn't really make people feel very good about themselves. So I think for me, it really pushed me to feel more relatable. Like we joke all the time, like we're recording this from our closet right now. I spend (laughs) half my day in my closet recording a podcast. My life is really not that glamorous. And I think that's important because you never want people to feel bad about themselves. There's a difference between inspiration and being this thing that's not achievable. So I thought that was really important. And then just from like a mental health perspective, like you cannot have your perspective of yourself based on your social media presence whether you're an influencer or not, if anything online is making you feel bad about yourself, don't look at it. Set boundaries and parameters around that because whether it's numbers or someone that you think is prettier than you or is doing something cooler than you, if it makes you feel bad about yourself, unfollow, mute, don't do it because 
it's not worth it. It's just not yeah, worth it. Um, oh, man, we go on. Oh, we about unpack about this. We, like, yeah. we unpacked a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, something, I mean, something that I really took away from the social dilemma is that I like to what Kelsey said. So true. Just showing more of like, because everyone loves to say it and it's true. What you show on social media is like your highlight reel and things, but showing more of those like little moments and struggles, I think makes you more relatable. And I think it does make people feel better about their own struggles because it's easy for me myself. I know that social media is a highlight reel, but I'll look at other creators and I'm like, why aren't I out taking photos today? Or how come maybe like they're working with a brand that I'm not working with? Or, oh, like I don't, that that girl looks so nice with that filter on. And I'm like, wait, but that's a filter. Why do I care? You, you start just like going in these weird loops in your head. And I've found it really beneficial to start to to start following pages that make me feel really good. I love a good quote page and I I just started following the heck out of those like just seeing um good positive things because I don't think there's many people in today's day and age that aren't spending a majority of their time online. And if you're spending all of that time comparing yourself to a screen, it gets really unhealthy, even from a content creator perspective. Um, And then it even also, a, a thing that they talk about on The Social Dilemma is people just being in these echo chambers of their opinions and like struggling so hard to see outside of their bubble. And for me, I, I kind of thought like, okay, when people come to um, my page, I guess overall, I don't want them to compare themselves to me, even though I know that's naturally going to happen. But like, what what's something that I could do to maybe get people to just stop and think for a second? Because all of this content is just hitting them at once, and I don't want to contribute to any of that in a negative manner. Um, so I've started doing little things like in my story, I'll just ask people, um, what are you grateful for today? Or like, what are you doing this weekend to just kind of have a little bit of a moment of pause because social media is a big part of my life. And I know that I've started to appreciate more of those types of things um, instead of just like succumbing to this to this algorithm that I'll never beat because it's AI and all this stuff, you know? <laughs> um, so, yeah. And, and also setting really hard boundaries. Like Kelsey and I have talked about how mm-hmm. we find that sometimes it just even as creators, yes, it's part of our job to be on our phones, but it can make you super unproductive if that's all you're doing all day you'd be surprised how much you don't get done yeah. um so just kind of having like more time to go okay you know what i'm gonna just focus like on my morning routine maybe or i'm gonna like go out for a walk or i'm just gonna focus on like this new project or something um and yeah, just kind of it, it definitely made us, I think, a little bit more conscious on how we feed these things as content creators. But then also, how can we incorporate more mental health into our lives so we could be better for our followers and stuff? And if it really is a problem for you, uh, you can outsource that, too. I mean, you could find somebody, pay them yeah. part time to manage your post posting schedule. My cousin's... Um, Amy and Jordan Demos, they're out in uh, Scottsdale, actually. Um, they're wedding photographers, and sh- they they have a, a pretty big business, and they have, like, a daily meeting, and they're like, okay, here's our three posts for the day. Uh, here's the captions, and then their, you know, assistant posts it for them. Um, and, you know, that's, 
I mean, like when we talk about employees and hiring people, have you guys worked with people? Have you have you gone to that point? Like, and if that's something um, that you're interested in, you know, how do you scale your business in that way? We've both talked about it. We've both, I think, hired assistants in the past. We don't. I neither of us do now. Um, I think it's really important if you are trying to build into a greater business that, of course, you're going to have to start outsourcing things. Another way you can do that is if you reach a certain part of your career, you can have a manager to handle some stuff for you or someone to do finance or just find these other ways to do it. Um, I will say it's really hard to find someone really good that you trust. Like your business is not this other company. Like it is everything I do every day. It is my brand. It is how I make my income. So it's kind of hard to trust someone with like your baby that you've worked so hard on. I think that's the struggle I have with it, especially coming from a PR side. I'm like, I'm going to send my own emails. It's just easier for me to do that. So I think it's finding the things that you really don't want to do every day that you just do not want to deal with that take up too much time or taking away from building your business and then finding, finding someone really good that can do them really well for you that you trust. And it's not easy to do. So it's good, but it's hard. It's really hard. Yeah. Yeah, It's, it's pretty difficult. Um, I, I think if I were to hire an assistant in the future, which Mm -hmm. I hope I would, because I would like to think I'm growing and I don't, and I need some help down the line. So I think, I think outsourcing is a, is a pretty good thing for your business. If you kind of like need that extra help and stuff and you should get it. Um, I, a tip that I've really heard is, uh, not only taking recommendations, but maybe trying to look within your community to outsource Mm because people have all sorts of skills. And unless you ask, you might not even know that they're there. So that's another good way. And just like, taking that that interview and that vetting process so seriously and just making sure that you really jive with someone like they understand if you're having them post on social media and they're the ones also maybe writing captions they understand how you would speak or if they're writing blogs they understand how you would write mm-hmm. them or even like a, a podcast editing they understand like you know our humor and stuff and they are able to cut in that same way and they could basically mimic us in that way um and then also taking time to make sure that you do hold someone's hand through that and you call them out and not not in a mean way by any means, but just say hey <laughs> like, no, no, that's not what I mean but you know just just give them feedback that's a better word feedback yeah. just saying like hey when you wrote this like I actually went through and I edited this and this and I just want to show you so that for the future like this is how I made this decision so that you could build that trust because I think hiring takes a really long time um and there's great apps too if you don't really have a community like Upwork, Fiverr's one to get like little tasks done. And there's even Facebook groups and stuff as well. But it's just like treating treating it like a business. This isn't something fun that you would just hire like your sister to do or something, you know, like, hey, if you're bored, you could post for me, but you need to treat it like you're actually a boss and this person is your employee. Um, I've also heard too that it's really good if you're going to hire to maybe find someone that doesn't want to do what you do so like as an influencer I wouldn't probably hire someone that's like oh Danny I myself want to be like you one day and be an influencer because I think that's great from like a mentor perspective but maybe I'm just hiring you for video editing and I really just need you to be really good at video editing and I'm not gonna necessarily like show you all of the other things that I do you know because I just need help someone who wants to make your life easier yeah that's a good point I mean 
It's it's interesting. I, I had an editor for my YouTube channel, and it took about six months to kind of get him, like, uh, with my voice. But once once that got there, he was editing every video 100%, and it freed me up so much. I was you know I was able to do twice as many videos a week uh, because of mm-hmm. it. <clears throat> and it just takes time. It takes investment. And, it's, and like you said, it's the right person. Um, I think for the three of us because we're entrepreneurial and a lot of the people who listen to the show are entrepreneurial and, and freelancers. Like we have this idea in our mind, that, like everybody thinks the same way as us. And like they, they think about, <laughs> yeah. they think about work the same way. Um, yeah. I would say on average, like most people, like they, they're okay with working for people. And like, I'm, I've, it's a continual thing that like I'm struggling with because I, I'm not like that. <laughs> so, uh, and I always was, I always felt kind of weird, like growing up in a more rural area, like in the South, I'm from Tennessee, from Nashville. And I always felt like an outsider because I was more creative and entrepreneurial and everybody, you know, pretty much my friends were like bankers and nurses, you know, um, which is fine. Like they're doing great work. <laughs> they have great, like beautiful families <laughs> and, uh, they, went to a nice, you know, state school and um are living a great life with a <clears throat> acre backyard and a, you know, four bedroom house with two kids and a picket fence. You know, they're they're happy and stuff, but I always wanted more and I wanted to push more and when I had like a real jobby job and I saw how people were just not like motivated to grow, to learn. I remember talking to my dad who's also an entrepreneur. He's actually a music producer and I was like, I don't understand. Like nobody is like wanting to be better. And he's like, well, yeah, that's why they have a job. Like, I'm like, <laughs> but I've never, like all my friends are freelance. So every single friend I had is just like constantly pushing and constantly growing because as a freelancer, you have to like continue to grow and get better so you can charge more so that you can do more. But when you like, as a freelancer for like seven years and then I went into a nine to five position it was just shocking to see like oh i guess most normal people like they're okay with a nine to five they're okay with going to a job and like having a boss so you want so like what you're saying you want to find somebody that is more of that personality who's going to be loyal who's going to be trustworthy who's going to do the job well um i remember i think it was cynic uh simon cynic the guy who wrote the book start with why he said it's always better to hire somebody who is more loyal and trustworthy uh, and and teachable than somebody with like this crazy high talent or skill because those like super artsy, like creative types, like they got an attitude and they know they're good. (laughs) So uh, it's hard to like, it's hard to tell them like, Hey, uh, I don't, I didn't like it when you did that. Like, what do you mean? Like, it's, this is great. You know, you're, you don't know what you're talking about, you know, um, which is how I would be, uh, which is why I got quit fired from that job I was talking about anyways. Um, <laughs> quit fired. I, I think we all got quit fired at one point yeah. for doing this now. Well, like, I got fired fired, but okay, oh. yeah, we'll say that. Okay, I'm curious now. Tell me your firing stories. 
Oh, goodness. Okay, I put myself out there, so I'll just go ahead and say it. Um, So when I first got out of school, I worked for a small marketing agency, and I, I loved the work there. I loved everything I was doing. It was new to me. I majored in supply chain, so talking about social media and SEO and Google ads and all these things, I was like, oh, my God, this is fancy. Um, So I worked part-time there first, then ended up getting a full-time job there, and we had just really started getting on like the cusp of learning about social media. And I was kind of the guinea pig, like, hey, you're from college. Like, you're going to run this Facebook page. You know what I mean? So I started doing I started doing that for some of our clients and I was getting pretty into it. Like, I would love writing the posts and finding the pictures to match and everything. Um, and I quickly became like the social media person. And then I started taking those skills home and applying them to my own stuff, um, which got even more fun. And they're just, I think it was maybe like the two year mark of me working there. And I was in line to get a promotion. Like I had the meetings, I had um, the the goal setting stuff that a lot of companies will kind of take you through where you check off certain things and okay, you're ready for your promotion. I started going through that, but then at home, I would just be like, I kind of, feel like I'm not progressing. I'm not being challenged. And I think I can just do my own freelance thing. So um, my parents thought I was crazy, by the way. They were like, shut up, like do the job. You know what I mean? They're like, because their generation, they're like, hon, just go to work and just like get a retirement and be done. I'm like, no, I'm going to be a freelancer. And I'm like, this this idea was brewing in my head pretty heavily. So um the day of my promotion meeting where it was like, hey, congrats, you're, this is it, like, you're next level up. How do you feel? I really told them how I felt. Like, I, <laughs> I, I went in back. there. I can laugh about it now, but at the time I was like, wow, I really messed this up for me. I went in there and I was just like, you know what? I feel like I'm not growing. I don't even want to do this. I'm getting, I'm getting paid less to do the same work as my manager I'm not about that. And they're like, well, what do you want to do? And I think I said a line where I was like, well, I don't know. I'm not really sure if I want to work for a company that I don't think cares for me. And it was like, (laughs) okay, yeah, I don't. By the way, if you're listening to this, please, I don't recommend. Don't do it. Don't do this. Please don't do this. This was just like, I don't even know what was happening. Maybe the there was a full moon and regression or something weird was happening with, I don't know, astrology. Um, But I they were like all right. And I just kind of walked out of that meeting. And yeah, I like it was two weeks after that. And also two weeks before I had already using my PTO scheduled a trip to Canada and Iceland. And these were going to be like my first big vacations. And I got pulled into a meeting and it was like, hey, there's some uh, changes happening (laughs) to your team. And they told me that I was being fired. Wow. And I was just like, Okay. And I, I, <laughs> I told them, I said, I really have nothing to say. I told the um, president or whoever exactly what I thought. And I was just like, all right, well, and he said this. And now that I think about it, I'm like, I don't really know what the point of this was, but he said this line to me. He goes, you know, it might not seem like it now, Danny, but I think we're actually doing you a favor. I think that you'll be all right. And I was like, okay. Nice. And yeah. I, I don't know. I kind of, <laughs> that was a compliment like, maybe, actually. Yeah, see, mm-hmm. there's a there's a light at the end of the tunnel to this story. <laughs> um, 
But anyways, I, despite me feeling honestly so bad about that, I felt like a failure because I was like, I just got let go from my job and I don't even know what I'm going to do, whatever. I just put my head down and I just started like doing the social media stuff and throwing everything that I had learned into it. And then eventually I basically started getting paid clients and started doing what I did today. It was like the fire under your feet that you really needed anyways. Um so you should like you should tell that story. Is this the first time you've told it? This is yeah. This is the first time I've pretty much told it in depth. That's a I've, lot like, more detail than like, I think I've heard from you <laughs> before. <Yeah. laughs> so, so congrats, Dave. You pulled it out. Yeah, I think you know? uh, this is a great topic for you guys to do on Clout Check, and then you could like call in your old boss and like bring oh. it up <laughs> oh boy <laughs> that would be spicy <laughs> but we'll just have kelsey do it and she'll be like you know i know danny i just want to get your impressions yeah. of her like send up and then i'll be in the background like hello steve his name was not steve. oh it was it steve i don't remember let's just uh forget that i don't remember his name but anyway, Surprise something them, like that. that you're there yeah exactly <laughs> you're oh, really uncomfortable. <laughs> didn't think you'd hear from me again did you yeah exactly oh, kelsey what's your story did you i feel like did you tell that on our other podcast? I don't remember. T- tell us anyways. I think I did briefly. I think I did say, like, I, I was working at PR agencies for almost five years. Wow. So it took me a really long time to actually, like, get up the courage to leave and do my own thing. Uh, I did quit. I luckily was not fired, but I think I think everyone <laughs> knew. Like, I was kind of quit fired because, like, it had gotten to a point where it was very obvious that I my head was no longer in the game. I was in negative PTO, negative sick days. I was calling in sick all the time to go on trips and go shoot. And because I was on the influencer marketing team, everyone followed my Instagram. So everyone knew what I was doing. They just like weren't really calling me out on it. They were like, she's going to be gone one day. Yeah, they were like, she's not really doing this much longer. And then I remember I had this new vice president I was working under on an account that he knew I hated. I did not want to be building this this PR strategy and brand for this giant. It was a large company, but I was just not about their whole brand mission or company mission. And we were all at like a happy hour, like a team, you know, morale building happy hour. After a couple of drinks, he pulled me aside and he's like, I'm not supposed to tell you this right now, but if you want to go do photography and you want to go travel, you need to just go do that because like you, you're not supposed to be doing this anymore. Like, I know you want to quit and you should quit. I, you cannot tell anyone I told you that, but you need to quit. And I told him, I was like, yeah, I'm putting in my two weeks next week. And he was like, good. And that was that. They didn't ask me to try to stay. They knew. They're like, she's out. She's she's out, out. Yeah. Well, see, he's smart because like I got fooled also because by doing uh, that, <laughs> you and I, Kelsey, they don't have to pay yeah. a severance by doing that. So yeah, see? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. No, it was great. And I figure health insurance <laughs> and all that fun stuff. Like, well, yeah, you're kind of. It was worse yeah, for me because yeah. my wife was pregnant and we had health insurance. And so oh. when I quit. Uh, she was like, you know, I didn't think about it, but like it was a, it was a, no, I think I did think about it actually. Um, I looked it up and like, we had to use a program called like Cobra or something that extended yeah. our, mm-hmm. and it was like $3,000. Super expensive. Uh, yeah. it was like $1,000 a month or something, but oh it was, it was all good. Like, you know, baby's here. Everything's fine. You just saw him before the episode, but, um, <laughs> Alive and well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, he's fine. He made it. Um, what's yeah. one photo shoot that you, one type of photo shoot that you would never do? Like if a client like reached out and you're like, oh, hell no, I'm never doing that. Oh, this is a <laughs> oh, good no. question. I oh. don't really know. I almost feel like I'm game. You know, if it was like 
I don't know. I don't know. That's so hard. I've almost, I almost want to be like, I'm game for anything, but then obviously I feel not like anything. I'm putting my fist but... in my mouth. No. I've had two uh, single use plastic water bottle companies reach out this uh, year. Yeah. And that's, that's the one, one that I'm like, morally, I can't promote your product. Like, oh no, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm thirsty. <laughs> no, I was just like, I don't know. That's just not like that. I don't know. That's not, I talk about environmentalism and eco-friendly yeah. stuff. So like, I can't, I just, that would just hurt me morally too much to do, no matter how much it paid, I think. Oh, I know now, because this has hmm. to do with Kelsey. She bamboozled me in this I way. Did? I think, yeah, you did. Um, so we actually, we had gone to a conference together, and I'm vegan. Like, of course, I, I have oh, to I tell everybody that I am, because that's part of our, you know, that's just part of uh, our Ten Commandments of being a vegan, is you tell everybody that you're a vegan. So um, <laughs> we had gone to this um conference and kelsey went up to this beef jerky company <laughs> and jerky since company. i had yeah, yeah and since i and i really i really don't mind like those things don't don't bother me that's fine but what happened was um when they were like hey let me just scan your badge to get your contact information the contact information was in my name because i had gotten the badges nice. so one day to my home a giant box of beef <laughs> and my like my mom's the one who had found the package she was like she texts me she goes danny who's kelsey and i was like what and then she said there's this box of beef jerky here and i was like wait wait, wait. And i had to like think about that I'm like because this was like almost what? a year later we had yeah, no idea a year the later connection. oh my god yeah, yeah. I, I was like did kelsey send beef jerky to my house what is this and then i had told her and then basically we had found out through the grapevine that they were trying to send the box to her but kelsey had to be like hey you guys um sent a big box of beef jerky to my vegan friend's parents house and it was like the funniest thing that's amazing yeah um i don't even know where the box of beef jerky went i think maybe my family like devoured it or something (laughs) i don't remember but i was like Go figure. This would happen. And the brand it? never responded to me. They never told no, they me they were sending you. me a box of beef jerky. I was like, hey, you sent this box. Like, do you want to do something with it? Never responded ever again. So the phantom <laughs> yeah, box of jerky really to a vegan. <laughs> yeah, that, that PR person must have got quit fired as well. So. <laughs> quit fired, yes. Like, That's it. I've sent so many boxes of beef jerky to vegans. I can't do this anymore. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Okay, well, we are coming up on, I mean, well over an hour. This was a great conversation, guys. This was awesome. Um, thank you for being on the show. Um, to kind of end it out, what is kind of your message to the listeners here? Again, a lot of our listeners are very similar to you guys. Um, just some inspirational thoughts and things about uh, just being a full-time creator that you could share with our audience. Go. Oh my gosh! Yeah, like we don't go first. first. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, uh, oh my gosh. Okay, I'll go. I I think what was hard for me to do to quit my full time job and start doing this, something I think about a lot, is that it feels like it. You know, we talked about like our parents didn't like that we did this. That like you know, our friends were going to college and doing these other things. And it was really scary to leave a job I had built up so much time on and feel like I was no longer successful, like I was successful and I was literally throwing away being successful. And I think what was really important for me is that if this is something you really want to do, you have to redefine your definition of success. 
So then that next year, my success was being able to go to 10 countries, not get this paycheck every week. My success was working on my creativity and building my own brand versus building someone else's at a PR agency. And then eventually you actually get to a successful place when you do that. But you can't be afraid to redefine that for yourself, regardless of what the people around you think. Because if you can't, if you can't take that leap to not feel like your success is defined by these other things, then you're never going to do it. So if you want to do it, just go in on it and realize that maybe what is successful for you isn't what other people think. Yeah. Amazing. Danny? Yeah, that's a that's a really, really good one. Pulling um, deep. Going I deep love on this it. one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you took your shovel and you just went in there. Yep. Took uh, that beef jerky and just went to town. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Chewed on that. <laughs> yeah, you know, that stuff was kind of hard now that I think about it. I remember, like, poking it and I was like, oh, people bring yeah, yeah. this oh, stuff, God. man. <laughs> um, my advice, I'll kind of take a, a different route because you kind of talked about starting the starting mm-hmm. the business and things. So I think that something that's kind of a mistake a lot of creators make when they're going from treating the when they're going from treating this industry from a hobby to a business is they still treat it like a hobby. They don't do things like keeping track of their expenses or even like trying to just pitch clients or thinking about adding like multiple streams of income. And so I guess I would say that if you're trying to kind of leave everything behind and go into the social media realm to become a full-time influencer, you really need to do some of your research and treat it like a business. And I don't say that to scare people, but it's just like, you know, you still have to pay taxes when you do make money from a, like a brand collab and things like that. Or um, if you are going to quit, you're going to have to, you know, pay medical insurance and do things. And so I think that it, it really helps to even like make a list of stuff that you're going to have to pay for or your budget per month and just say like, OK, if I could at least make enough to like cover my expenses, then I'm I'm good. And that doesn't mean that you have to go right off the bat to making a crazy amount of income or anything like that. But I just think that if you want to be um, taken seriously as a creator and you want to show brands like I'm a pro at this, I don't just like have a camera or my iPhone that I'm just shooting for fun. Like I want you to work with me. I think you need to uh, go home and like treat, treat this like a business and set goals for yourself and work on achieving them. And they can be goals like what Kelsey said, like you want to travel those 10 countries and then just think about like how you're going to get there and things like that. So, um, treat, treat this like a business. And I think it'll really do well for you if you do that. What are some tools that you use for your business? Is there like any apps or like QuickBooks and stuff like that? Or yes, I love QuickBooks for self-employed. Please sponsor us. us. (laughs) Seriously. QuickBooks is so great. QuickBooks self-employed because it's just an online system where you can put in all of your expenses. You could um, attach your bank accounts, your credit card accounts to it. And they ask you like, what was this Starbucks charge for? And you can mark it as business or personal and you upload a receipt because as an, as a freelancer, you have to have receipts for those two. You can also send invoices through there and then they also connect to TurboTax so that at the end of the year, you could pay uh, your taxes and then they show you your quarterly taxes. I mean, we could go on about that stuff, but that's <laughs> a really good one. Um, I think another tool that doesn't have anything to do with finances and stuff is a lot of people think that you kind of need to hire out to make graphics or cool templates and things, but you could just get a subscription on Canva. 
they have a free version, they have a paid version, and that's a great way to make some awesome marketing materials for yourself and what have you. Um, and then just like one more, I really, really like Grammarly. That is one that I use for blog writing to just check that all of my, you know, all my spelling's good and my grammar and I have periods and commas where they belong in things. Um, so that's like a really good way to make sure that your stuff is top notch. So those would probably be like, aside from like Lightroom and all that other stuff, those would be good business ones, I'd say. I use Grammarly as well. It's super great. Yeah, it's really Oh, Asana is a good one too. I guess now I'm just going on an app tangent. <laughs> but that's a good one for um like to-do lists and setting um assignments for yourself and keeping track of due dates and things like that. Yeah. Kelsey, do you want to add any uh fun apps or tools that you use? Oh my gosh. I feel like Danny said them okay, all. Cool. <laughs> I will say though, I feel like if this sounds really overwhelming to you when you're getting into this, it's uh, it's not. Like break down the things that you need to figure out and then yeah. you can you can tackle them one by one, like finding the services, figuring out how to do your taxes. And meeting people in the community is so important because I learned everything I know from other people that were already doing it. So if this seems like overwhelming, because that's not overwhelming to me, <laughs> just find people that know and you that you can ask questions to and yeah. you're going to be fine. You can do it. Everyone can figure this out. You're going to be fine. Uh, yeah, ask for help. Yeah. I think a lot of times like the millennial generation, uh, we just want to see results like so quick. And you got to remember, this is mm -hmm. like a lifelong career path. And, you know, all three of us are lucky enough to be doing this now full time. Uh, hopefully, you know, Lord willing, we live, you know, a long, healthy life and, you know, our brains are going to continually, hopefully, you know, be working fine. Uh, so we could easily be creating into like our, you know, sixties, seventies, maybe even eighties, like Ridley Scott is a director and he's still like making movies. Uh, and he's like in his eighties, it's insane. So, um, if your brain is like still there, you can still create, uh, you can hire out hands if your hands don't work anymore. Um, so just remember that like, this is a long game and all these things may sound overwhelming. Uh, you know, maybe save this podcast and come back and re-listen as you're growing. Uh, go listen to the, uh, the clout check podcast as well. Uh, as you guys continue to put content out there, hopefully we'll hear more about your firing story and get to meet Steve or whatever. <laughs> Um, his name was, but yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> putting my boss in the hot seat. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. Clickbait totally. content. <laughs> One of the things for me, like, uh, I need to do like QuickBooks and stuff. I'm just awful with taxes and all that. And, uh, I usually hire it out. Um, just cause like, if you real, if you're self-aware enough to realize like I suck at these things, like you can hire like <laughs> bookkeepers are fairly affordable. Mm -hmm. Um, Thank you guys again so much for being on the show. Everybody go check out Clout Check Podcast, a link to everything in the show notes, including Danny and Kelsey's uh, social media accounts and the podcast and everything. Thank you guys for being on the Golden Hour Podcast. Thanks for having us. Heck yeah. This was my first dual Zoom. This was great. Well, I hope we set the bar very high. <laughs> so high. So I'd love to see uh, someone yeah. else come and do this. <laughs> heck yeah. All right. Well, I'll talk to you guys later. Maybe uh, we'll follow up in a year and see how clout check's going. Man, I can't believe this year is almost over, but that sounds, sounds really good. <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> 2021. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> We're almost there. <laughs> 
hope you guys enjoyed my conversation with Kelsey and Danny. I want to remind you guys to go check out the Clout Check podcast as well as Kelsey and Danny's social media accounts. I'll link everything in the show notes, like I said before. Hopefully you learned something about business and how to build a brand around yourself as a freelancer. It's a very valuable tools and very important things to learn and to practice as a freelance creator. If you found some value to this show, would you please reach out to me, Kelsey and Danny, and just send us a DM and say, hey, I loved your conversation on the Golden Hour podcast. If there's something about the show that you're really enjoying or something that you just want to say uh, to the audience here on the Golden Hour show, reach out to me on Twitter or Instagram at Dave Mays, and I'll share something on the show each week. So this message today is from at Aiden Walls. He says, hey, Dave, I've been tagging you in a few tweets lately. I've been binging the Golden Hour podcast and finding it so inspiring. I have a content creation business in South Africa. It's so helpful to see what's happening with you guys and to try and translate that to my context. Dude, Aiden, super awesome. Thank you so much for reaching out all the way in South Africa. That is crazy. If you're from some other crazy country, let me know uh, on Twitter or Instagram and uh, we'll give you a little shout out. So thank you guys for listening every single week. Hope you enjoyed this podcast with Kelsey and Danny. Once again, I'm your host, Dave Mays, and we'll see you next week.